Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be here. It is great to be able to celebrate what uh, God is doing in our world right now. It, there's so much good news uh, happening. I feel, and no matter what's happening in the world, we know that we have good news in Jesus Christ, and that's that's why we gather and remember that every week, and we we build things into our life and community and and things that God has given us so that we can remind ourselves every day that there's always good news in Jesus, right? And I think about how we're in this stage right now where we're transitioning back to life a little bit the way maybe it was before COVID. I, you know, there might be a new normal, of course, and, that, and, we'll, and that's fine. God has a, has a plan in the midst of all that. But I think about the gathering on Sunday that we do. Church, churches have been doing this since Jesus was resurrected from the dead and showed up to his disciples on Sunday. And so we gather on Sundays, and we, we, know, we know that we've been gathering online, and we gather in person, and we, we welcome everybody who's been gathering us, with us online and with us today. And, uh, we're, and one of the things I was really encouraged about this week, we are, I was praying with June, one of, our, one of the, the elders of our church, and uh, we were praying on Monday, and she said, she's really just felt like the Lord was telling her, like, we're not going to be in the, uh, in the habit of not gathering. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 says, don't forsake the, the gathering of the saints. Right? Don't forsake the gathering of the church as some are in the habit of doing, right? And we're, we're in that phase right now where we're literally, our habits were forced to change because of COVID, right? And now, and that's how, you know, there's no, nobody's, nobody's guilting anyone about that, right? No one's on you about that. But now we get the chance to, to get back to, to our, the habits that are, that are healthy for building community and for loving Jesus. And so we encourage you guys to, Man, I love it. You're here. You're gathering. And I bet and everybody can admit the first time you came back to the gathering, it was hard, right? I've heard many people say, I was about ready to go to church this week, but then, you know, and then I just didn't, right? It just didn't, didn't happen, right? Getting the kids out the door, getting all of those things figured out. So I encourage you this summer, uh, we're going to start getting in the habit of being in community with one another as, as regulations start to open up and things start to change. And it's a great time to start to enter into Shifting our habit, right? Shifting our habit. So, you know, and uh, so we, we can do that. It's a blessing to do that. We do all that because we want to have the life of Jesus Christ and uh, we want to be in community with one another. Uh, we're, we're, uh, this, we're continuing our series uh, called Gospel Fluency, learning how to speak the truths of the gospel into everyday life. Speak the good news. How do, how do I become someone who has the good news of Jesus just flowing in me and out of me, that, it, that when people are around me, they, they feel the good news of Jesus, that when my life has a difficulty or a challenge, I know how to speak that good news to myself. We've been primarily focusing on that. I, I, I made the series when we started sound like we're going to speak to other people about the good news of Jesus, which is, of course, our hope and our goal. But we've primarily this whole time been talking about how to speak to ourselves because that's where we start. We start, we start by listening and speaking to our, ourselves and what God is doing. I think about it like uh, about the good news about Jesus. I think about it like a thermometer. Um, um, a lot of you guys know I like to barbecue. I like to barbecue meat especially. I do barbecue vegetables, but that's more because I don't want to die. <laughs> but I like barbecuing meat a lot. I have a Traeger. I love my Traeger. My, my uh, daughter said to me the other day, Mommy said... Um, uh, we're, we're thinking about our summer rhythms, and we were talking about whether or not we're going to have our, our weekly summer barbecues, and we were like, maybe we won't have a weekly barbecue, 
um, the way we had in the past, just because things are still sh- shifting, right? And my daughter heard, we're not gonna, Daddy's not going to barbecue. And, and she said, she goes to my, my three-year-old, the youngest that you've seen kind of run around here, and she goes up to, to Jen and she says, if Daddy doesn't barbecue, then how will we eat? <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm on that Traeger every almost like I'm on the that's where all the meat comes from, right? It's all off the Traeger. They're the oven rarely used in my home. I put the pizzas in the Traeger, everything. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, so sometimes when people have, so I'm experienced with the barbecue, when people come to my house, they, 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 they'll eat, they usually say it's good. One of the common things, I'll make chicken a lot just because it's economical. And, uh, and uh, I'll make chicken, and people will regularly be like, man, your chicken is way better than my chicken. What is the secret to this chicken? And, and besides the Traeger, I don't think the Traeger is necessarily the secret. I tell them the secret, the main secret, besides marinating it, is, the, is a thermometer. It's honestly a thermometer. Everybody overcooks their meat. I said, <laughs> the main trick, like you'll make yourself 100% better cook if you just use a thermometer on your meat. But don't put that on the steak, by the way. That's, besides the steaks, that's another story, though. But you put a, <laughs> a thermo- but if you put a thermometer in your chicken, right? And why is that? Because well, you got to see what's going on in the inside of the chicken, right? And especially with chicken breast, which is the hardest thing in the world, I think, to cook. It's really hard to know what's going on, on the inside of that thing, right? So you have to put a thermometer in to know if it's raw in there. And no one wants to eat raw chicken. No one wants to cut into their chicken and find it's bleeding. <laughs> That's always a bad sign. And no one wants to cut on their chicken and find it's like toast inside there, right? That it's dry and hard. So you use a thermometer, right? And cook it to 165 degrees and then you're good to go. And, um, and so, but that's a little bit like our lives. Like the, 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 we need a thermometer. Like we need to take thermometer checks of our hearts, of our life. That's what we talked about last week. That we have to know what's going on inside of us because what, sometimes the outside can be deceiving or we can focus on the outside, but, but really what God wants us to do is he wants to help bring health to the inside of us. And we need to, the Holy Spirit wants to help you do a, a, a heart check on yourself. And then in the power of the Spirit, the Spirit brings you to remembrance, the scriptures say, about, about who Jesus is and what he's done for you and what he's taught you in the scriptures and in your life. He brings those things to remembrance so when, when your heart is, 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 is off and it's, it's frazzled with life or there's things that are off kilter or they're not in sync with what God wants for your life, with the truth, like God wants to remind you of those things so that it might bring healing and wholeness and health to you on the inside because, because the, the quality of your life is a product of what's going on on the inside, not the outside. We focus on the outside. We can say, okay, I'm stressed out or this or I'm impatient with my kids or I want to, I want to, I want, or whatever it might be or, or my boss is killing me. I need a better boss or I, I, my finances aren't doing so good. I could use another $100,000. <laughs> and, uh, but all of those things are, are really not the ultimate problem of being healthy, a healthy, thriving human being. It's an inside thing. And God wants us to be healthy on the inside. He's transforming us from the inside out. We've used this metaphor, and we'll use it again today, of like a plant, of a, of a tree or a fruit tree. The, the, if you're going to have healthy fruit, you've got to have a healthy tree, right? The, the fruit is a pro- byproduct of the health of the tree. 
No one would look at a, the, an unhealthy apple and think the problem is external. It would look at the, about the roots. What are the roots of this tree doing? If the tree is unhealthy and it's not old and dying, like it mu- there must be something going unhealthy with the, with the system in the tree, the, the inner life of that tree, starting with its roots. And it's the same thing with our life. That's why Jesus uses this metaphor of fruits a lot and trees and, and harvests and things like that because he's trying to get to this principle that, that, that the health of our life is an inner thing. And so when we think about gospel um, fluency today and today talking about gospel fruitfulness, we're trying to get to that heart diagnosis, take the temperature of our hearts, but then not just be defeated by, oh man, it's a mess in there. But knowing that you have the power of the Spirit to not just speak the truth to your hearts, but to believe in the truth and to be changed and to, have, have a tra- have, to partner with the transformation process that God is bringing into your life so that you become increasingly more healthy. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, we quoted him last week, he says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? He's not, by the way, he's not saying it's bad to listen to yourself. We actually did a whole sermon on that last week. But what he's saying is that we just listen to what comes out of us and accept that as a fact that can't be changed. We accept and we feel defeated. Or we just think that that it must be what is best for my life. But instead, if we don't accept what comes out of us as a fact, but we accept it as a, as a, as a temperature check of where we are, and God loves us right where we are. God sent Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross to, to, so that he might transform us and give us a new heart and a new life and fill us with the Spirit so that right where we are, we have the power of God working in us to bring about greater thriving and greater health. So I don't just listen to myself, but I'm going to speak the truth about Jesus Christ so I can put my faith in that, so I can be encouraged so I can walk in the new life that I already have, so I can walk in the identity of who God has already says I am. I can walk and be the person God has made me to be. That's what I want to talk about today. Let's, let's pray as we go to God's Word and look at the transformation process and how we can participate in that. Dear God, we thank you for your, for your Word that, that comes to us today. We're going to study your Word and think about it, and we want to learn from you, God. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to hear your scripture, hear the truth about you, God, and what you've done for us. Help us to believe it today, God. Help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to believe and believe your word and become doers of your word today, God. I pray as we are talking about such a sensitive subject, what's going on in our hearts, and, there, and all of us, when we get to a sense, these sensitive places, it's hard sometimes to be vulnerable with ourselves or with others, God. It's hard to, to not put up defenses or to check out in these hard conversations. I pray, God, today by your Spirit, you would just open our hearts to your love for us today. Open our hearts to the fact that you see us and you don't condemn us. But you're here with us, Lord God, and that it's safe. I pray, Lord, I, that you would create an environment today by your spirit that I can't create through, through talking. And that is an environment that feels safe, feels like I can open up my life to you, God. And, 
And I pray, God, that today we can hear your voice in such a loving and tender and kind way that might lead us to change, lead us to greater belief. In Jesus' name, amen. So by faith, like we've been saying, God is transforming us. By faith in, in who God is and what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. By faith in who he's declared us to be. We are being transformed. We are becoming, and what are we being transformed to be like? Well, the scriptures say, and we've been saying, we're being transformed to become like Jesus Christ. And that might feel like a lot of pressure, but what that means is we're becoming humans. We're becoming healthy, thriving human beings the way God intended human beings to be back in the garden. The uh, Second Corinthians calls us new creations, basically like meaning like you're that through the gospel we're becoming recreated to become more like the true self that we are always meant to be. That we're we've talked about this a lot. One of my favorite definitions of sin, which means just literally like missing the mark of what God wants for our life, but but really at the heart of sin is this rebellion against God, and when we rebel against God, it makes us it's, it's becoming less human. Like sin makes us less human. Less who you actually deep down want to be. And God's plan through Jesus is to make you into the person that deep down you really actually want to be. And that don't have and that we've been striving on the and the lie that we've been believing and why we need Jesus is the lie we've been believing since the beginning is that somehow God has not made us who he says we he, he is, and God doesn't and and God's power is not at work, and that somehow I need to save myself. And build myself up into my own identity. And I need to make my own way in life. And the gospel comes and opens up our hearts to help us trust that, man, Jesus, I need your help. There's this relief to say that Jesus is helping me. I need his help. I've always needed God's help. I've always needed to be in dependence upon God and who he is. To become the person that I want to be. And Jesus comes and he shows us in his love and his grace that we can trust him. Trust him to help us become the people God made us to be. I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Such a big, beautiful picture that God wants to give you freedom. Following God is not a, a, a crutch. Following God is not slavery. Following God is not going to kill the fun out of your life. Following God is about freedom, meaning becoming the person that you were made to be, thriving the way God intended you to be, not in slavery to things that are hurting you. And, with, and we all, in verse 18, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, referring to Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God is at work transforming us. So we have this power through God, through, through the Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ to become increasingly like the person God always designed you to be, made in the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 14. We went through John. I thought about some verses from John that we studied. In John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, talking to his disciples, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Such an amazing truth. That when we put our faith in Jesus, we start, 
we start learning, we start being able to be able to do the very works that Jesus did. And you might think, well, that sounds like a lot of pressure. How do I do that? Because Jesus was, is, is like God in the flesh, right? I'm, I'm, you might feel like I'm never going to be like Jesus. Well, we're being transformed to be like Jesus, who is perfectly happy and content and joyful and, and able to love people. How do we do that? Well, he's, he goes on and he gives this metaphor of fruitfulness. First chapter 15 in John, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And I'm going to skip down to verse 4, actually. Sorry, right over here. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we are increasingly being transformed to be like Jesus and here I love this, that might feel like, oh man, now it's on me. I, Jesus did all this great work for me, died on the cross for me. Now I have all this work to do to become like Jesus, that which seems like who's perfect. So now my goal in life is to be perfect. That's great. Thanks, Will. <laughs> no, we're, we're in this process, we're in this progress, and what is my work? My work is not to analyze a to-do list of everything I have to do to be perfect just like Jesus. No, my, my main work is to what? Abide in Jesus, to trust Jesus, to rest in what Jesus has done for me, to, to surrender to Jesus' work in my life, to say, Jesus, help me, to say, help Jesus, to ask Jesus for the, the, the faith to be able to believe and to trust him, that when I have doubts, I go to Jesus. I don't, I don't beat myself up and say, you have doubts? Go, Jesus, help me. That when I lack the desire to do something the Scripture has called me to do, which is almost always our problem, right? It's not knowing what to do. It's the fact that, that deep down, I, right now, I'm kind of feeling like I don't want to do it. Where do I go? Do I go to Jesus. Help me, Jesus, in this process. Like, I know I, I should be a love, more loving person, but I'm not feeling a lot of love right now. What, help me, Jesus, Right? In this pro- like, like I'm not, I know right now that at, at work with this coworker who I find super annoying, I, I should be like Jesus and love them and be kind to them, but I want to slap them, Jesus, <laughs> you know? And so help me, right? Like, I'm not going to slap them, but I want my heart to want to love my enemies, like the scriptures say, and that's like the closest to an enemy I have right now. So, so help me, Jesus. What does this look like? What am I not believing? What am I not seeing? And that's actually exactly the heart of what we're talking about in this whole series and today. How do I partner with that process? I want to make it, I want to put some, like I just said that and those are all very general truths. I want to put some, some like legs on that, some like tangible ways that we can do this and partner with that process of abiding in Christ and what that might look like and, and go through some things that have really helped me to be able to see that transformation in my life. So we are going to grow in our trust of what Jesus is doing, and we do that by daily turning from my unbelief, like in, in what God is in, doing in my life and who he is, to belief in what he's doing. I have this daily process in my life where I'm turning to the truths about who Jesus is and what he's done for me and who I am. I have to daily Make this my habit 
But in life, I'm, every day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up and throughout the day, I'm going to keep turning to the truths about Jesus and what he's done for me, the truths about God. We see this in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, which will be kind of our main passage. And I actually decided, I thought this passage was so awesome that we're going to go through these. They're actually going to cover the fruits of the Spirit for the whole summer starting in July. So, uh, um, and get more chance to practice this. Verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you remember, desires of the flesh, by the way, is going to sound like your body and it's just natural carnal desires, so we're going to naturally think things like gluttony and sex and things like that. But desires of the flesh has much brought, is a broader thing. It's talking about that part of us, our old life, like we've talked about, that shadow side is the way I've described it, that naturally wants to be independent of God and naturally wants to find its, save itself. Like we want to be in charge of our own salvation, in charge of our own truth. I don't need you, God. I can, I, I'm a good person. Like you hear that a lot. And here's why I'm a good person, because I do these things. That's, that, that's the flesh saying, I don't need you, God. I'm on my own, and this is how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove my way in life. He says, and that brings, that starts to bring out dysfunctions. When we get disconnected from God and start having to save ourselves, that leads to the brokenness in our lives. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. So we have these poles in our life. We'll show in a second that, that when we talk about walking the spirit, that's really like your true identity. That's who you are. Like you're the true self that you want to become, that, that you become that person as you trust in God's work in your life. He says they're opposed to each other, the spirit's work in your life and that, that old life that you had independent of God that still kind of has a residue even if you're a follower of Jesus. That I, he says they're, they're working against each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. I love how he says that again, because what you want is to be like Jesus and to walk in his ways. That's what you want. I think even non-believers who don't believe in the gospel yet, maybe. I, I, every time I'm around non-believers, I see it all the time. They want the gospel. They just don't realize it. Like they, That's actually how I lead. I don't say that to them, but I'll, I'll, I'll speak into those areas in their life. Like It's so awesome that you are... You are being like Jesus right now. I see how you're like Jesus. I'll say that to my neighbors sometimes. Like, you know, your generosity today was like so much like Jesus. Like, that's the way you were made. Like, I tap into those things because that everyone wants, wants, naturally wants to be like Christ and walk in his ways. To keep, so there's this flesh keeping you from doing the things you want to do. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I wish I could get into that more, but that's I, that idea that, you have to do some things to prove yourself to God. And we all make our, and, and today in our culture, we're not under the law of like uh, the Old Testament, but we make our own laws about how, what, this is what you have to do to prove that you're a good person. He says, you're walking in the spirit. You're not, you're no longer under those rules and regulations to have to prove yourself to God. You've already been made right with God through Jesus Christ. So there is no law that you have to keep for God to love you and to care for you and to save you and for you to walk in his ways. You don't have the pressure of that. So now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, idolatry being like making replacements for God in our life, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So he names off all of these kind of what we might call vices, but it's it's different because there's a whole mix of things. And he's just saying that when you're walking in independence from God and making your own laws for how you're supposed to live and rejecting God as the, as the leader of your life and rejecting the, the strength and the power that he gives you, he's like, it just leads to brokenness in your life. The fruit is what he's saying. It leads to broken fruits in your life. In verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But the fruit of the Spirit, he says, the, the byproduct, I love that he says it's fruit, right? It's not, like this is a list of all kinds of things that everybody, non-believer or not, would list as things that you want in your life. But he says that's the byproduct of God's work in your life through the Holy Spirit. That that's what the God is working in your life. And that by trusting God and putting your faith in Him and, and walking in the process saying, God, I want to surrender to your work, it actually, that, that, that leads to the life that everybody hopes to have. A life where you have the character of being filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so we, and what we're talking about today, we want to put our we're going to put our trust, we're going to learn how to put our trust in the Holy Spirit and God's process to get down to those root things that God wants to bring in us so that we, the byproduct might be healthy fruit. And so what Paul and what we've been talking about is that what comes out of us finds its origins inside of us. And so, so I want us to think about now, how do we do a health check? What does this look like? I want to give you, what would it look like to think, okay, how do, what's going on inside of me? How can I do a health check for the roots, for my heart, so that increasingly what comes out of me is this positive fruit, like love and kindness and patience and gentleness, like love for my neighbor and love for the people around me, love for my enemies, love for God. How do I, how do I, how do I help partner with the Spirit? If you go to one of my, my, my diagrams, uh, here, we, have to th- we, we thought about this in terms of like what, as we're analyzing, what is my life? Am I, am I trusting in the Holy Spirit and God and believing in Him so that I might become my true self and live out in the identity that God has given me in healthy ways? Or am I, or am I walking in my shadow side and indulging that side of my life which produces brokenness? Like we, ha- we have to learn how to discern and like in the power of the Spirit what am I walking in? And Paul, what's great is Paul says, here's the thing. It's kind of obvious. He says the works of the flesh are obvious, right? And he says the works of the Spirit are obvious. So you know, so if the, what's coming out of me, we can have this honesty with ourselves. If what's coming on of me, out of me sounds like it's more like my shadow side of my life, if what's coming out of me is, 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 is anger and and, 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 and all these things like that, if it's what's coming out of me is, is, is anxiety and fear, if what's coming out of me is hate, if I'm honest with myself, like if those are what's flowing out of me, 
I can say, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you made me aware of that. Right? Not, not, oh, man, you're a terrible person. Remember, that's the accusation of Satan. No, oh, thank you, Jesus. You made me evident of what's going on in my heart. What, right? And by, by, by naming it and saying, look, and saying, and even confessing it to a brother or sister in Christ that, you're, that you can trust, saying, look, I'm experiencing anxiety this week. Guess what you just did? You partnered with the Spirit to, to cut off the power of the flesh in your life. Speaking just in the terms of life, just think about it. When you're vulnerable with someone and you say, hey, I'm feeling afraid, like that actually, like everybody can appreciate this. That, like, that, that starts to destroy the power of that fear in your life. It's when you, it's when you stuff the fear down, right, and, and like somehow try to medicate yourself out of it or like, you know, wishful thinking your way out of it or like, you know, that's, that, that continues to let that fear have power in your life and just fester and create all kinds of other problems in your life. But as soon as we're honest and say, God, I'm experiencing this, and even more power if you can be vulnerable and confess that to a brother or sister or a friend in Christ or to, to say, like, this is what I'm experiencing because now you have their, their love and grace to help you with this. And it has even increased power that you have. That I said it out loud. Like there's so much power in saying something out loud to another human being, right? Who loves you, cares for you. I mean, I'm not recommending you say it to your boss. <laughs> so, uh, unless they happen to be your brother in Christ. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so we have that, we, we start to destroy the power of the flesh as we just say, like, look, God has made me aware of this so that I can confess it and I can start to get to deal with the root of why I'm feeling this way, why I'm experiencing this. Because it's just deeper than the fear, or it's just deeper than the fact that I'm doing this sinful behavior. There's always a deeper root to it. And God wants to start cutting off those roots that are hurting you, right? He wants to start cutting off the power of those things in your life. He wants to start rooting that out, pulling out those weeds, getting to the things that are destroying you. He's saying, like, we're going to get down to that. In the power of the Spirit, in the power of community, we can destroy these things. And we can start... And so we go through this process thinking about our life, like examining this fruit in our life. One of the ways I do this to, do, to start getting to the roots of things the, is I start, as I ask gospel questions. And it's very, this is very simple. You can go to the next slide. Um, so when I'm thinking about the fruit of my life, and, uh, and, and I put the trees together because actually somebody mentioned this last week. It's not like there's two, two you don't have two hearts, you have one heart. It's like all the time these things are melded together in your life. So if you want to feed your true identity and, and you want to start rooting away and destroying your shadow self, like we have to get to the roots. And here, here's what I do. Here's one of the things that just really helped me. I met a man named Jeff Bannerstead. I've told you that. I give full credit to him. And uh, this is just such a simple thing. I'm like, wow, this is so simple. And it's, but it's so powerful of getting to the root, asking good gospel questions. So what? So when I'm thinking about the roots of my life, either either in analyzing what's going on in my experience right now, or proactively planning, which we'll talk about in a second, for how I want to live or live my life, I, I think about the gospel. About I think about what am I believing? What am I believing about these questions? What am I believing about who God is? Like I'm going in from bottom up because we're thinking in terms of roots, the fruit. So I'm thinking I thought in my life these these. This helps me get to the roots, because at the root of your life, 
Jesus has been saying, how do, what is our work? It's to believe. It's to trust. The key, the key, everything in your life flows out of your belief about who God is. Right? It flows out of your belief system and your motives, which are connected to these things. So, so I start asking myself, what am I believing about God? What do I believe about what he's done for me? What am I believing about who I am? And then that, out of those beliefs, that's what the fruit, that's where the fruit comes from, right? So let me show you what this means. So we do this sometimes proactively in our Bible studies, like we coach ourselves. So we'll think positively, not reactive to the fruit, like I'll say in a second. But I'll think proactively. We, we study the scriptures this way a lot in our, in our mutual discipleship groups. So we'll look at a passage of scripture and we'll start asking ourselves, what does this tell us about who God is? What is this passage telling us about what he's done for us? What does this passage tell us about who I am? Right? You can actually go to the, the next slide, I believe. Um, slide 7.1. So what is this telling me about, about my life? So, so just to break that down, I can be proactive and I can start asking questions saying, okay, what, what do I, who is God? And, one of the, and, I'll, and I'll analyze. One of the things we talk about a lot around here is our family identity. We talk about almost everything that I ask you to do in this church is connected to the fact that I believe that you're part of God's family, right? I invite you into all kinds of things. Because why? Because, because you're part of God's family. Why do I believe that? Well, that goes down to a deeper root that God, the scriptures over and over again, what do they say about who God is? God is our father. God is our father. Do I believe that? That God is my father? And if God's my father... What it, what it, as, as Father, what did he do for us? If we go to the next question, which I didn't list just for sake of ma- making it too cluttered. What did, what did God as Father do for us? Think about it. Well, he, sent, he loves us, right? So, and he wants to find a way for us to be in his family forever. So what did he do? He sent Jesus Christ, right, to die for us on the cross and what, so that why we could be adopted into his family. So when I say, someone asked me the other day, you say all the time that we're family. What does that mean? I go back to this. I say, well, I, I, when I say we're family, I mean something amazing. I don't mean that like the world means that. I don't even mean that like your biological family is. We're a part of a way more amazing family that's forever. We're part of God's family. He's our father. He's adopted us through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ into his family. You can never get orphaned from his family. You can never get kicked out of his family You all the time. You can never be the bad kid or the black sheep in his family. Ever, ever, ever. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you. And so what does that mean that we are, when, we, when I say we are family as a church, I don't mean like we have good vibes here on Sundays. We kind of care for each other. I mean for all of eternity, like when God looks at you, he sees not just child of God, child of God, child of God, but he sees brother, sister, brothers and sisters who who are in, like when he looks at this right now, he sees this as an amazing family, family gathering right now. Like this is an awesome family reunion. I can't wait to get back to potlucks and such. You know why I do potlucks? Because we're family, right? That's what families do. They spend time together. They talk. Like I wish right after this we could go eat together, all of us, and I could barbecue a big, big giant brisket for you. Like because I love you. You're my brothers and sisters, right? And I put a thermometer in it because that's what you do. <laughs> right? So we're, we're family. I, 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 on our website right now, it says, it says there's always a place for you in our family, right? Like that's my open, I can't with a group. Why? Because I really believe that, right? I really, like bottom of my heart, I hope everybody who's ever around me, around our church, they feel that sense of like, 
wow, these people really want to include us. I mean, I, I hope we always err on the side of weirding people out with our kindness and our desire to, like, welcome them in. Like, man, these people are intense. I'm not sure. I'm going to go to that church where, that, where it's dark and no one talks to me. Like, right? <laughs> like, I hope we always err on the side of being, you know, like, just this welcoming family. Like, like I, I go, I take risks. Jen's all the time telling me, like, man, you're going a little intense. Like, because I'll invite people to lunch. Like, I barely know. She's like, that might have been a little intense. You probably freaked them out. Like, they think you're an Amway salesman or something. <laughs> like, sorry, sorry. I just got excited. Like, this is my brother or sister. I, I can't wait to know more about them. Why? Because I've proactively for years now been re- reminding myself of this truth that God is my father and he's adopted me in the family and I'm not in this family because I did anything good or did anything awesome. I just, it's just pure grace of God. So every human being I see that is my brother or sister, even if they're not a believer, I think of them as my brother or sister who just didn't know they got invited to Thanksgiving with Jesus Christ and God. They just don't know it yet. They don't know how great it is to be part of his life. And so I just can't wait to, to welcome them to the feast that God has prepared for us, to his table, the real table. And I think of my whole life when I do hospitality, it is because that is, a, that is a foretaste of the hospitality of God and the wedding feast of the land that we're going to go to one day or in the new heavens and the new earth. So yes, it's exciting to proactive, to, to think who, like, so, sorry, I got way carried away. <laughs> so, when, so, so we can proactively in the gospel start thinking, if I want to, if we're, as a church, I think about this a lot. So when I, everything we do, I'm proactively thinking, like, what does it look like to be a real family, like the way that God has called us to be that? And the, what, is the, what would the fruit of that, how are we going to get to that fruit to start seeing that kind of crazy hospitality? It comes back to believing that God is our Father. Really believing that, to really believing that we were adopted and to really believe our identity that we are family. I'll tell people regularly when they want to quit on things. I'll just try to say gently, like, like don't quit on your family. I'm, like, there's no, like, if you're stressed out, if there's things going on in your life, if you need help, if whatever it is, let's just not quit on each other. Let's treat this like real family. So let's talk about the real things going on and let's try to help each other through this. No, you don't have to do that or do this. Or I'm not, there's no pressure in a, in a healthy family. But there is love and there is caring for one another and there is talking things through. And I, we always are getting back to those principles. Why? And the only way for us to produce that fruit, it would be so amazing to be this crazy, welcoming, awesome family that everyone in our community would look at and say, wow, those people really love each other. We want that, right? It comes back to not saying up here every Sunday, you need to love your brothers and sisters like Christ loved you. Like just over and over again, you're not being very loving or you need to be more patient. Or I see where you're not being patient. It doesn't come from constantly pointing out the negative fruit. It comes from putting our faith in what God has done for us and who he is and who we are. It comes back to those things. And it comes back to the principle I all the time I remind myself, okay, we're not going to ever be perfect, but we're making progress. And because we're family, well, then we can be patient with each other, right? Amen? Amen. It's beautiful. So that's proactively. You could do this with all kinds of truths about who God is. Think about it. Am I, I think this is how I plan my life. This is how me and Jen, we sit down and we, this is how we plan our summer. We think about who we are, who, what, who God has made us to be as image bearers of God. 
How do, what does it look like us for us to believe our identity and live like that this summer? To make those plans. I sit down with my gospel community like that. That's how we plan. That's our whole church is built that way. Trying to, you know, to work that, this process. Now we can also grow in our, our, uh, up to, in our image of God by going the other direction. So if we, if we go to my, uh, so we can start thinking about what, 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 what kind of negative fruit am I experiencing in my life? So I can think about, like, and I can start, when I go, when I go this, is, this is really what we call like repentance. I'm changing, I'm turning away from my unbelief so that I can turn to, I'm, I'm, like we said, we're removing the power that these negative things in our life have in our life so that we can turn again to the gospel. And so I'll think about my life, when I go on, I'll think of what am I experiencing in life right now? This is back to what we said before, I'm listening to myself. What am I experiencing in life? And then as I think about what am I experiencing, I don't just accept that. I say, is that from the Spirit? Or is that from my shadow self? Is that from the flesh? Is that, not, is that because a byproduct of some kind of unbelief? And then once you get to that place, you, don't, you, don't, with a, you can do this with a brother or sister in Christ or on your own. But you start thinking, what are the roots of this negative fruit in my life? What are the roots of this anxiety? What are the roots of it? What am I functionally believing about God. I'm not saying this is what you deep down really believe about God, but what am I functionally believing about Him, right? I want you to think about it for a second. What, what are, have you been experiencing maybe this last year? What have you been experiencing in your hearts? Like, like God wants to bring His gospel power to those things to transform them. I want to show you a little bit. I want to demonstrate how this might work. By the way, it's gonna, this all makes, might sound like you have to do this, like this is a technique you have to do perfectly. That is not true at all, right? We're just asking these questions, letting the Spirit say, what's going on in my heart? God, show me where I'm not trusting you. Show me what I'm be- believing about you, God, so that I might then turn and believe the truth. So one of the things, and I'm going to get kind of vulnerable with you, and I hope that doesn't make you too uncomfortable to have your pastor be vulnerable, but this is something that happened a few months ago, so don't worry, I'm not like processing this currently. I'm not like currently, you know, there's not some kind of weirdness going on in our relationship. Don't, don't, don't you know. So uh, towards the beginning of the pandemic, I really felt alone. I don't know if any of you felt like that. I felt very alone, right? I felt abandoned. I felt uh, frustration with people. As a byproduct that even though I knew deep down I shouldn't be so frustrated with people because life is just crazy, right? But I feel, you know, everything's changed, right? And so now I'm literally having to do a lot of things by myself because it's COVID, right? Don't really know, what, especially in the early phase where you don't even know how to navigate these new, basically shut everything down, right? Can't be, even be with a person anymore now. It's not like your wife or kids, and everybody's kind of, and everybody's off trying to figure out how to navigate a pandemic too, right? So like, I, you know, I don't want to be frustrated with people. That's not, I know that's, not, that's me. That's not, that's not anybody else. That's on me. Because they're all, we're all trying to figure this out. I'm, so I'm feeling this thing. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling abandoned. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm not patient. I'm feeling this fruit welling up in me. Um, and so I had to go back. So I go back and I think, okay. What, what, I'm, that's what I'm experiencing. So I might say, okay, um, and I, I could have probably, I'll, I'll usually start when I'm on this, I'll start at the bottom. I'll say like, what am I believing about God? 
Like what? Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Sorry. No, I will start. I will go down this way. This way. So, so in light of this experience that I feel alone, that I feel abandoned, that I feel, um, what am I believing about who I am in this moment? And I would start, this is what I started saying. This is how I turned away from this, this loneliness, this aloneness, this feeling abandonment. So, so I was feeling like, so who, who did I believe I was in that moment? Well, I realized I was praying about this. I felt like I was a slave. That was one way that I thought of myself. Like I have, I was feeling like all the things with church. Like I was feeling like I have to get all of these things done or this whole thing is going to fall apart and, I'm, and no one's going to come back to our church ever again. Everything's going to fall apart. I'm going I'm to be looking for a job in six months. All the finance are going to go tank, right? Everything's going to fall apart. I'm a slave to like, to making this all happen by myself, right? That's how I, that, was, that was what I was believing about who I was, that I am a slave, that I'm not, I was also believing I wasn't noticed, I wasn't loved, right? Now, so that's, so, that's, so I think about what am I, so in light of how I'm, what I, how I'm feeling or what I'm experiencing or what this behavior that I'm doing that's negative, who do I, what do I believe about who I am? Next, in light of what I'm, experiencing, what am I believing about what God has done or what God is no longer doing, which might be even more. This can be hard sometimes to get down to not just my feelings, but like what am I actually believing now about God, like functionally, beyond just my Sunday school answers? <laughs> what, am I really be, what am I really thinking about God deep down? In light of what I was experiencing in my, that moment, that time, I was, I, was, I was believing that God no longer saw me, that God no longer cared for me, that, no, that God, no, God had stopped working in our church, that God wasn't speaking anymore. And, so I, and then in light of what I was experiencing, what was I believing about who God was? I was believing that God was, was distant and cold, right? That God didn't, God was not love, right? And I... And so as I, so I turn to those things, like it's freeing to say, okay, so in that moment, I'm doing these things, I'm talking with some of my, my brothers in, in Christ about this, right? As you say these things, are, are, you automatically start to feel, like I said, the power of cutting that off, those things, the power of those things being cut from your life. Because then it's very quick to say, well, is that what you believe about God? Is that what you really believe about God? Well, of course, that's not what I really believe about God. But I'm acting in that belief. I'm living in that belief. I'm feeling in that belief. I'm feeling about other people based on that belief, right? It's affecting, the, affecting my love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's affecting my love for God. It's affecting my, you know, how, how I feel about life. It's affecting about how I go about doing my job. I don't, feel, I don't feel like this is an opportunity that I get or this is something I get to do. I feel like I just feel like a slave and I have to do this. And I'm stressed out and anxious on top of all those other feeling alone, right? So that's not what I believe about God. So you can go to the next, next slide, I believe, slide 11. So what do I really believe about God? So now I can work back up and say, I can go to belief, like to become my true self, to like start living in that. I say, well, what do I really believe about God? Start getting, and what do I really believe about God? Well, I really believe that God is good, right? I really believe that God loves me. I really believe that God is able and capable. I really believe God is working, right? Like in my life, going to the next one. But I believe what, I, what, how, what God's doing. I really believe right now God is, 
God is working in our church. I really believe that Jesus didn't stop building his church like he promised. I really believe God has still given us the authority to preach the gospel. I really believe God is still changing people's hearts. I really believe that God is still speaking through the word and through his Holy Spirit. I really believe that God actually loves me and cares for me. And you might say, well, how do I believe? I have to, sometimes you don't, honestly, you might think, you have to ask yourself, well, why do I believe that? And start asking yourself, well, why do I believe that? Because right now I'm having trouble trusting that. So think about the Bible. Think about your history. Why do I believe that? Well, because we've gotten this far, first of all, right? Grace and glory, what? We just celebrated 30, you know, I can't remember what we celebrated. What was it? 35 years, right? Grace and glory celebrated 35 years. I can talk to Mark Johnson. He's like, I've gone through harder things than this. <laughs> and he's like, and uh, you, you want to say it was bad. Like, look at what God's brought. He can remind me, like, what God has brought our church through. Like, God is at work. I can call up any brother in our church, and I, can add, and I can talk to them, and I can find out, oh, wow, I didn't think God was working, but most everybody I talk to, God is working in their life. God, because I can look back to what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. Like, I might think, oh, God, you're not at work. But when the world thought Jesus wasn't, well, God wasn't working, what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, right? Just when the, when the, the whole nation of Israel is crying out, God, why, why is the world so messed up? What, why, what's happening, God? It feels like you've abandoned us. What do you do? At just the right time, you sent Jesus Christ to live the life we were meant to live on our behalf and die the death that we deserve to die for our sins on the cross for us. God is working, right? And Jesus, what? He didn't just stay dead. He rose from the grave, right? He lives today. He's sitting on his throne still. He's at work. So what do I believe about God? I believe he's still king. And if he loves me and he cares for me, and I start, I have to start saying those things to myself. And, and this is not like magic. Like you just say, oh yeah, God loves me. And you instantly feel better. I had to start rehearsing these things every single day, every single time that aloneness or that bitterness, that anger over these, what's happening comes over me. I have to keep rehearsing these truths. And it, change, it does actually then over time start to change my heart. So I can walk and I think about who am I? Well, one of the things God's done, I, I recognize, is God, God has served me, right? All of what I was saying is God lovingly serving me. So who am I? I'm a servant like Jesus. So in the pandemic, I get to learn how to become a televangelist. <laughs> right? I have no desire to learn how to be a televangelist at the time, Right? No desire. Like, like, yeah, this is great. Let's learn how to live stream. Learn how to do the soundboard. Learn how to do all this stuff. Like, I'm like, I, there's a, I'm just, I, and, and I, but instead of grumbling and just being like bitter about it or being upset, I can say, no, I get to do this. I get to do this. This is an opportunity that I have right now. This feels like total busy work. Like, it is totally, it feels to me, honestly, with my personality, like worthless. But all the more I can say, God, I get to serve you. And how I feel about it right now, I know it's not worthless, but, even, but how I feel about it doesn't matter because I get to serve you, Jesus. And I get to serve my church. And I mean that in that God started to change my heart. So I get to do it with joy because, Jesus, that's who you were. You said you came. Why? Not to be served, but to serve and give your life as a ransom. So God starts reminding me of who I am. And so now I can live my life and every interaction I have, instead of having this hint that Will's maybe like disappointed with you, I can live my life and then when you talk to me, hopefully what overflows out of my life is just that uh, overjoyed desire to be with you like you're my brother and sister in Christ. 
that's not impatient with you, but is patient and kind and gentle and knows how that we're going through this hard time together, but is not filled with this hidden bitterness and hidden loneliness, but has given that to God and let him change it into joy. And so what, it starts, what fruit starts to bubble up now that I believe that, that, God is, that God is king, that he is able, that he is in control, that he is working? What, what, what fruit starts coming in my life now that I believe that God is at work, that he is changing hearts, that he is speaking the truth in love, that he is, that he is serving me, that he sees me, that he cares for me, that I start believing that what changes in my fruit now that I believe that I get to be a servant of Jesus Christ, that I, that I am a beloved member of his family, that I have been called by Jesus Christ to be, to be a, a pastor at Grace and Glory Community Church. What do I start feeling now? I start feeling like joy, right? I start feeling joy over even some of those mundane tasks that I had no desire to do. I start seeing like, wow, God, I don't know what you're doing, but right now, this is an opportunity, right? This is what you were doing. And this weirdo live stream me up here for months being up here by myself, I'm feeling like a total weirdo, like literally just preaching in my living room or here and you know, like, and now you're getting excited to a camera, <laughs> like, literally, you know, I get excited, and I'm like, and I'm, but I start realizing, no, God's using that, like, there's real people over there that God's speaking to in that camera, <laughs> and I can't see them, and they can't even tell me that it's going good, <laughs> or it's not going good, but God's working over there on their couches, or whatever, Right? God, and so I can have that joy, and it starts to change the fruit of my life. See, that's an example. And see, God wants of how when we start walking in this idea of I'm going to listen to what God's doing in my heart, but I'm not going to accept that as the truth. I'm going to accept, if, if the fruit's negative, that is not the truth about who I am. It is not living in the light of who God is. We can, be, we can change. And God want, the Spirit wants to help us walk through this process of getting to the roots and trusting and believing in who God is and what he's done for us. So this week, I hope that you guys will get a chance to think about that. I'll even put out some resources online if you thought a connection card or just for you to be able to think about that. But if you think even on your journal this week, just think, when, think about the process I just talked about with, with going from the negative fruit to positive fruit. Think about that this week. Next, this week when you experience something, write it down somewhere and start praying about that. God, show me. What am I believing? Based on what I'm experiencing in life right now, what am I really believing about who you are, God, and, and what you've done for me or not or stopped doing for me? What am I believing about my identity and who I am? Like, and then start speaking the truth once you kind of identify what those, that unbelief. Start speaking the truth over that. What's the actual truth about who God is and what he's done for us and who he says I am? And watch how it starts to change your heart. If you need help with that, like we love that. We like, this is why we gather together in community and we love, love to be able to help you as, you as you feel that, you know, comfortable inviting people into your life. As I close, I was, I was, I was thinking this week that I was feeling this sense that after, at this point in the message, it might feel a little bit like, wow, I, that's a lot, Will. I don't know if I can do that or I'm not, or where it might feel a sense of like, wow, I'm not sure if I can like do it so neat and cleanly like you just did, like this is some kind of new program for your life or new plan that you have to get right. Or like you might be thinking on Tuesday, I can't even remember all the questions, <laughs> right? I'm not on the email list. I didn't see that. Or you might forget and remember on Thursday, whatever it is. 
the main thing I want to remind you of is that God is working in your life, right? <laughs> Surrender to that work in his life. Ask the Spirit to help you. Like, this is not something you have to get right for God to change your life. This is not like you have to remember all the questions and do it in the right order, or you're, or, or you're not going to change to be like Jesus. That is not how it works. I'm giving you, I was just doing that to help give some, some tangible ways that this has helped me. But God is at work, and the, the goal is for us this week to be saying, God, I don't have to, I do not have to surrender to the negative fruit of my life. God, you, I can, I can cut off the power of that. God, God is changing the roots of my life so that there can be healthy fruit. I'm going to start asking, what's the roots of my life? God, help me see what's the thing, what's the reasons behind what I'm experiencing so that I might change and trust in Jesus. I was, uh, this week, I was, uh, this, me and Mark were preparing for our, our, uh, our work party on Saturday. We're doing all the announcements now, right in the middle of the sermon. We're having a, a work party to clean up the, the yard, you know, on Saturday, and we were doing some pre-work to, to help make that go smoothly, and we were doing mostly some weed, weeding type work which is always amazing, right? Weeds. And every time I, and we have a lot of them, our, gar, our yard has been terribly neglected. So every time, you know, I come to the yard, I feel this sense of guilt that I'm a terrible leader. I feel this sense of, like, just terrible. Like, I feel it over me, over me. Like, man, this place is so neglected. And it's all your fault. And like, and, oh, and oh, man, this is so much work. How are we going to do this? Right? And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking in this moment, there's got to be an illustration here with this weeding for Sunday. I just think there's probably an illustration here. And, and, and honestly, I don't know if it was Satan or my own heart, but Satan gave me a, I'm going to call it Satan, and uh, he gave me a terrible illustration that I almost shared with you this morning. <laughs> and because what I kept hearing over my life right in that moment was, is that, that this, this, this neglected garden, this neglected property, that, that is kind of like our hearts, that is kind of like our church, and, this, and it's been neglected and and. And our, my heart, and our, maybe our church, has been neglected. The pandemic has made it terrible, and, and it's all just so weedy, and so there's so many weeds, and it feels so overwhelming. And I was thinking what I was going to tell you was, but you know what? We've got to get to work weeding, and then, you know, it's, and then if we weed it really, we do a really good job of weeding, then we'll get better. But, you know, just like weeding, you've got to keep up on it, or the weeds come back, and it's just this constant. And I, was, I almost shared that illustration to encourage you. <laughs> to weed better. <laughs> and then I realized this week as I was praying about it, I'm like, that is not the gospel. That is the flesh. That is the law. We are not a neglected garden. Your heart is not overcome with weeds. Like that is the shadow. That is not who you are. Like Jesus Christ, he is the one at work. Like he is the good gardener. He is the, good, he is the one that's done the work. That he has uprooted those things you know what? And we are the, your heart is, plant, is a healthy garden. You know what a healthy garden is? And a healthy garden or a healthy yard, right? Weeds don't really, can't overtake them because there's too much good stuff going on, right? There's too much mulch. There's too much grass. There's too many healthy things around. So the weeds don't really get, they don't overtake it. Like that is always the place of your life. Yes, there's weeds. But Jesus is the good gardener. It's not, you are not, we are not, a neglected garden of a church. You're not just weedy, awful people. <laughs> God, doesn't, God doesn't see your life like this. Like he doesn't look down on you and think, wow, this is going to be an overwhelming project. 
We need, the, we need a lot of Roundup. <laughs> we need a lot of those torches. We're going to be burning weeds forever. <laughs> and they're just going to keep coming back. No, that's not how God looks at our life. God has made us a fruitful garden in Jesus Christ. We get to partner with him and, and growing into that and experiencing that life. Amen. As we come to worship right now, as the worship team comes, up, comes on up, let's just take some time to celebrate God's work in helping us. Let's, let's, start, let's take some time to, to declare the truths about, about Jesus to, to like, so that we might reach into the fruit that we already have in Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys just thank you for today, Lord. Thank you as we went through this fun process today, thinking about uh, listening to our hearts, look, working with you, Jesus, to cultivate fruit in our lives so that we might walk in life, we might walk in love and, and, and gentleness and peace and, and kindness, Lord. We might see this positive things growing in our life. I pray that right now you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would speak the truth over our lives that we might trust and believe. That we might actually today, right now, in this place, experience the fruit of the gospel. Experience love. Experience patience and kindness from you, God. We might walk out of this place right now, even as we speak the truth. We're already showing our fruitfulness, Lord God. Pray we might be able to walk right away to speak speak in the fruit that you've given us, Lord God. In Jesus' name.